Good morning. It's great to see you guys here today here in Maryville and in Knoxville. Glad you guys are connecting. If you've got a Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 1. Jingle Jam on Friday was a hit. Our team did an incredible job and uh, excited about all the folks that you guys invited to be a part of that. Uh, as you've heard today, a Foothills Christmas is only a couple weeks away. Hard to believe, but it is here. And I want to really encourage you guys to do us a favor. Go to Foothills christmas.com and RSVP to the service that you're going to attend. Here in Maryville, there's three services in the morning, then the Saturday night service, and then in Knoxville, it's the regular schedule for you. But just letting us know uh, helps us a ton. So appreciate you guys doing that. And uh, mentioned uh, last week that God has given us an opportunity to purchase land down the street on the corner. And so uh, we are very thankful for that. Still working out details and and uh, those kinds of things, I'll, get, I'll keep you guys up to date uh, as we learn more. And so just want to continue to encourage uh, all of us to give towards the vision offering as we seek to take that step uh, as a church. We're in a series called Christmas Without. And last week we started the series and, and my point is that, listen, we can, we can celebrate Christmas without the presents, without Santa Claus, without uh, the meals that we're going to have, but we can't celebrate Christmas without Jesus. And so in this series, I want to really encourage and challenge you to keep our eyes on Jesus this Christmas season. Um, I think for me, one of the traditions of Christmas that make Christmas really special and unique is just the music that we listen to. And so I have a Christmas playlist that I have had for, you know, several years now, and I've got some old Christmas carols on there and got my new stuff as well and kind of just change it a little bit every year, but I've got, got the old classics, Oh Holy Nights, you know, gotta, gotta have the Christmas carols, uh, Way in a Manger, all of the uh, joy to the worlds and uh, put me in that spirit. And then I've got the old uh, secular songs too. Who, who can, you know, not get excited about Christmas when you uh, listen to Ben Crosby sing um, uh, White Christmas, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, and I'm dreaming of it. Uh, I hope we had it a couple years ago. Uh, it's like 60 degrees outside and tornadoes, but uh, we'll see. Pray for all of our friends and family in Middle Tennessee. They, they really went through it last night and yesterday. Um, and, and, and so I've got that. I've got Mariah Carey. You may hate her by now, but you know, all I want for Christmas is on my list. And is it really Christmas if we don't sing Justin Bieber's rendition of Little Drummer Boy? I mean, really? All the young kids are like, yes. Um, and the older people were like, who is that? Um, but no, Christmas music kind of makes uh, the, 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 the season feel like the season, right? We, we have the music around us, those classic songs we sing on Sundays and in our cars. Songs of Christmas really make the season special. But the truth is, we can celebrate Christmas without the music, but you can't celebrate Christmas without worship. And so today I want to talk to you about worship and how Worship is a key component to really celebrating, worshiping, uh, keeping our focus and attention on Jesus during this Christmas season. In our scripture today, we're going to see the first ever Christmas carol. The first ever Christmas song written and sung was by Mary. And in Luke chapter 1, we're going to read it today. But I want to start by asking a question because let's not forget where we left off last week in that this this angel is speaking to Mary saying, you're going to carry this child. It's going to be a miracle birth. You're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins, right? 
Um, in that moment, you know, she's realizing, wait a minute, you know, I'm, 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 I'm engaged. What's my husband going to think? What are people going to think? And, and so there's a lot of stress and, you know, chaos going on in her life. And so my question for you is, is this, like how and why does she sing praises to God during this crisis? And let's not forget the fact that this is indeed a crisis for her. She is unmarried. She is pregnant, which meant that her social status, her life is ruined in this, in this community and at this time. Her husband uh, potentially is going to divorce her, right? And so uh, unwed, you know, teenage mom who has been divorced by her husband is gonna almost, it's gonna almost be impossible her, for her to find another husband, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew says that uh, Joseph was going to divorce her quietly. And he was going to do that quietly because obviously if she's pregnant and it's not by her husband, then it's, it, you know, she's committed adultery. And adultery at that time was punishable by stoning to death. So literally, this is a life and death situation. This is a crisis at the max, right? And she's facing this and yet she's still able to write a song and to sing a song of praise like, how in the world is she able to do this? So let's flip it on us for a second. When God brings an unplanned crisis into your life, how do you respond? How, how have you responded and how are you going to respond this Christmas season, despite the fact that some of you are, in fact, going through a crisis right now? Or maybe you're just coming out of a crisis We've all experienced this. We've all gone through something that has totally wrecked us. We, we, we got the news. We went through something and it was just us and God and we were devastated. We were worried. It kept us up at night. We, we couldn't sleep. All we, all we could think about was this issue and this problem and we're constantly focused on it. How in the world are we gonna respond to God when we're going through a crisis like this? It takes our breath away. Some of you responded to the crisis by just running away from God. You just decided to blame God. It was his fault. He didn't show up. He didn't do what you thought he should have done. And so you ran from church. You ran from God. And, and, and today you're still blaming him for the things that have happened in your life. But you are here today. And you know something needs to be repaired. And so I'm glad you're here. Others of us have just decided to shut down emotionally the pain and the, the chaos that takes place is, seems to be easier if we just kind of stuff those feelings down. If we just distract our mind from thinking about it, we just kind of push it down and then we just dial in maybe at work. And so we just work and work and work and we're, we're constantly driven to, to, to work. And when we're working, we don't have to think about the emotion and the pain. For some of you, it's not work, it's, it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's, it's uh, overspending, especially at the Christmas season, right? We feel so good. We're allowed to spend all this money we don't have and boxes are at the front door every day and it's just like, you know, Christmas every day and, and, and yet there's underlying issues that we're not allowing ourselves to deal with. Some of us decided to shut down emotionally. Some of us decided to run away from God. But when you look at Mary's life, she's the example today. What does she do? When she faces the crisis, when she goes through these circumstances, she doesn't shut down. She doesn't run away from God. 
Here's what she does. Look at verse 38 in chapter one of the Gospel of Luke. It says, Mary says, she's responding to the angel after learning all of this news. She says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm the servant of God. This might wreck me. This might ruin me. People are gonna laugh at me. I might be humiliated. My husband might leave me. I might be all alone, but I'm your servant, Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow. If you wanna take some notes today, she surrendered to God's plan. Oh man, what a... What a challenging thing for us to do to surrender to God's plan in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a situation that we're just begging God to take away. And God's like, I don't want to take this problem away from you right now. You're going to have to bear this burden. You're going to have to walk through this, but I'm going to be with you through this. But but you've got to learn how to submit to me. You've got to learn to surrender your will and your plan and surrender to my plan. Mary is able to do this. She sells out completely to God's plan in this moment. What will you do? Will you surrender or will you trust your plan? Will you stuff your emotions? Will you busy yourself with other things so that you don't have to deal with it? Or will you respond to the Holy Spirit of God who is bringing you into this season of crisis for your good? Will you surrender to his plan? I'll never forget going to the Holy Land with my wife several years ago. We went to visit all the sites of Jerusalem. And, and uh, one day we went to Bethlehem, which is outside of the city of Jerusalem in Palestine. And so probably wouldn't want to go there today. But uh, there's a church that has been built called the Church of the Nativity. And they built this church over top of uh, potentially the place where Jesus was born. It's like this cave. And, and uh, years ago, uh, based on where it was in the city, they thought that this is probably or could be it. And so they built this church over it. We don't know, but that's the tradition. And and they claim to be the oldest church in the world. And so what's unique about this church is the door to enter this church. It's about this high. (laughs) And so if you're gonna enter the door and if you're gonna actually go to this church, you have to bow down and you have to walk into this short little door. And you're thinking, why would they do that? Well, the guy told us that he has seen presidents of countries. He has seen kings and queens uh, visit this church. He's seeing wealthy people and poor people, average people, popular people. And every single person that comes to this church enters and comes to Jesus the same way, which is they have to bow down before him. And so it's called the door of humility. And I love the idea. And the idea is that in front of the Lord, like we, we all come to him, no matter what your background is, no matter what your mistakes are, no matter what your wins are, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how popular you are, you might be an average Joe. We all come before Jesus in the same way. We've got to humble ourselves before him and bow before him. And some of you maybe haven't committed your life to Jesus And in order for you to experience his forgiveness and the life and purpose that he offers to you, you're gonna have to submit to his plan. You're gonna have to submit and humble yourself and surrender to God's plan and and stop trying to do it your way and you're gonna have to do it God's way. For some of you, that might mean taking that step of baptism. And I would encourage you, like some of you are waiting and waiting and waiting and I wanna encourage you, let let this Christmas uh, be the season that you finally take that step. We're actually gonna baptize at our Christmas services. It's gonna be a big part of each of our services. And so I, I pray that you would take that step. You can scan the QR code in front of you. You can go to 
care and prayer room and let them know that you're ready to take that step. We need to surrender. We need to take the example of Mary here and say, Lord, I am your servant. I don't necessarily like what's going on. It's really hard and difficult. I'm afraid, I'm anxious, I'm worried, but I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And we surrender to his plan. It's really hard to surrender to God when you're mad at him. It's hard to surrender to God when you don't believe he exists. It's hard to surrender to God when when you're running from him. And so I wanna encourage you today to run to him, not away from him and submit and surrender to his plan. Here's the second reason why I think Mary can sing this song. In verse 39, it says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. So the baby in Elizabeth's womb, we know him, he's gonna be named John the Baptist. So John in her womb leaps inside of her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, So she didn't even hear the story yet. But when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, when I heard you enter, the baby in my womb leapt for joy and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Here's the second thing that, uh, second reason why I think Mary can sing. She is actually getting encouraged and she's confirmed by God's people, specifically her friend Elizabeth. She goes in haste to see Elizabeth. She wants to see her. Now, who is uh, this woman, Elizabeth? The, the Bible tells us that they were related. The Greek term is syngenis, and it simply means a relative. So we're not quite sure how they're related, maybe first cousins or fourth cousins. The point is that they were family. And so Elizabeth's son, John the Baptist, uh, and, and Jesus are related as well. And their stories are a little similar because Elizabeth could not Uh, have any children. And God miraculously allowed this uh, uh, pregnancy to occur. And then uh, about six months later, then this happens for Mary. So there's some similarities uh, in their story. They're obviously friends. And she goes to see her. And when she walks into the room, when she greets them, Elizabeth is overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And within Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist leaps. Right now, when my wife was pregnant, uh, we've, had, we've got four kids. And so every time, you know, the baby would move around in, in her stomach, like we would watch that and it would be like so cool and also really kind of creepy, you know? It's kind of weird. Like I watched Aliens growing up as a kid. So that was always like, I'm not sure about this. And, and uh, especially when the baby would get hiccups and like, her whole stomach would like shake. And that's not what this is. This isn't a normal kind of, you know, movement from a child in the womb. This is a Holy Spirit filled moment where the baby is leaping at the same time the Spirit is speaking through loudly, the scripture says. So she gets loud and she gives and declares a prophetic word over Mary. And she says that your child is the Lord. 
Like she is confessing that this, this baby is in fact the Lord God, the son of the most high. And so what's happening is here, she's saying, you are blessed. You are the mother of my Lord. God's promise is being fulfilled through you. So she wouldn't have known that if the Holy Spirit hadn't revealed that to her. And so she's making this confession to Mary and it had to be like this encouraging confirmation to Mary when she hears it because she doesn't even say, you're never gonna believe what happened to me. Let me tell you this story. She just immediately confirms it. Now, if you're Mary and you're like, okay, I just saw an angel and I got this whole message and I'm gonna you know, give birth to Jesus and the savior of the world. There had to be, this isn't in the Bible, but I'm just thinking like there had to be moments of her that she walked away and she was like, did I really just experience that? Like, did that really just happen? Is this really, really a thing? And so it says Mary went with haste. So she quickly goes to her friend's house. Now, how many ladies in the room can, can relate to that? Like when something big happens in your life, you gotta go see your girlfriend. You gotta call her up. You gotta FaceTime. We gotta go get coffee, girl. You're not gonna believe what is going on with me, right? That's a natural thing. And so when she gets together with her, this miraculous confession takes place and she's encouraged and she's confirmed. This is huge. Here's what I know. You and I, we need each other. I'll never forget when um, I felt like God was calling me into full-time ministry. And the first person I wanted to go talk to was my dad. And so I went to, the, to, to his office and I said, I said, dad, I feel like God is calling me into full-time ministry. And his response was, Trent, I've known that all along. This is exactly what I think God wants you to do. And those 15, 20 minutes that followed were some of the most encouraging um, words that have ever been spoken to me. In that moment, my dad confirmed that calling and he encouraged me, right? That's huge. Th think about in your own life when you feel like God has called you to do something. You're like, man, I really feel like this might be the direction and, and I really feel like this is something God wants me to do. And you go talk to a leader or small group leader, or a, a godly friend, and, and you share that. And immediately they're like, oh my goodness, you would be so good at that. Or yes, I've been praying about that for you. And it's just like that moment of confirmation that, what you think God is doing in your life is confirmed by a godly friend, a godly leader in your life. Here's what I know. We need each other. Elizabeth needed to confirm and encourage Mary. She needed that in her walk. You're gonna find the Lord in and through relationships and community. We say growth happens in relationships. The word of encouragement that you need in your life most likely is gonna come from a friend that's sitting in this room. It's gonna come from a Christian brother or sister. And that's why we've gotta be in small groups. That's why we've gotta be in relationships with each other because God speaks through me to speak to you and you're gonna speak through, God's gonna speak through you to speak through one of your friends and you're gonna confirm and encourage people. We need encouragement. I believe that there's a, a young mother in the room who may be completely discouraged today she might uh, not know how she's gonna pay for Christmas. She may not know how she's gonna get through the next day because she's so exhausted and she doesn't know how her marriage is gonna turn out. She needs to be encouraged today. There's a grandmother in the room who she's got some 
grandchildren and she's worried to death about them because they're not living for the Lord and so she's crying and praying every single day and trying to do her part to be able to help her grandchildren. She needs to be encouraged today. And I know we come to church, number one, to worship the Lord. But secondly, we need to come ready to encourage each other. In fact, I, would, I was thinking about that this week and I was like, what if we just made a pact together that we're gonna just have a goal. Every single one of us, every time we come to church on Sunday morning, we're not just gonna come and get filled. We're gonna come and try to fill someone else's cup. And we're gonna find three people every single Sunday to encourage. And we're not gonna leave until we do it. How incredible would that be that we would be the church to each other on Sunday, that we would, we would get here a little early, maybe stay a little late. Why? So that we could have conversations with each other and encourage each other. We need that because Monday through Friday kind of kicks our tail sometimes, doesn't it? And we need the encouragement of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other. But secondly, I also think that if God is calling you to do something, it needs to be confirmed by a godly leader or a, a spiritual leader in your life, a pastor, a small group leader. If you think God is calling you to do something and your pastors, your small group leaders, the people that you love and trust say, eh, I don't, know. I don't know about that one. You need to slow down and you need to be patient. I can't tell you how many young guys who come up to me and fire it up, but I feel like God wants me to do this. God wants me to do that. And I'm like, man, let's pray about this because I don't, I don't, I don't sense that you're gifted in that way to do that. Um, if, if, if you've got people in your life who are, of course, your mom is going to say, oh, baby, you're going to do it. Amen. Yeah. And your wife may be there as well, cheering you on. But I'm talking about pastors and godly leaders. You need to be confirmed before you set out to do whatever you feel like God is calling you to do. That's why we need each other. That's the structure of how God created the church, to be able to encourage and confirm each other in these things. I, I love the story of Charles Spurgeon. He's the English pastor. A guy came up to him after one of his services and said, uh, God told me that he wants me to preach in your pulpit next Sunday. And Spurgeon smiled and said, if God told you that, he would have told me that. <laughs> so not gonna happen, right? We, we need confirmation uh, from each other. God's not gonna tell you to do something that your leaders are telling you is not good for you. God's not gonna just uh, anoint you and then all the leaders in your life, you know, telling you not to do it and, and you just feel like you should just go do it anyway. You gotta submit to their account, counsel. Mary's wondering, is this situation real? She needed to be confirmed and encouraged and Elizabeth actually gives that to her. Third reason why she can sing she believes in God's promises. So there's a faith here, right? So in verse 45, Elizabeth is saying, you're blessed, Mary, because you believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. When God told you that this was gonna happen, you believed him. You believed God's word, Mary. You're blessed. And it's because of that belief that she's then able to worship authentically, it's then uh, given her the ability to be ready to sing. So let's, let's summarize here. She has surrendered to God's will. She's been encouraged by her friend. And now it says that she believes in God's promises. Listen, when you're surrendered, encouraged, and you believe, you're ready to sing to Jesus. 
you're ready to authentically worship. And so Mary sings a song and she worships God. Instead of saying, why me, Lord? It's too hard. She sings and she rejoices in her calling. She's sold out to God's plan. Despite the crisis that she's going through, it's gonna be hard. It's going to be difficult as she moves forward. Just because she believes doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. Despite all of that, she says, I am blessed and I'm gonna worship God. Listen, this is what we need. We need to believe in God's promises. We need to be encouraged and you need to surrender to God's plan. Here's the problem with a lot of people. They have destination disease. When I get to this point in my life, then I'll be happy. When I get to this point in my life, then I'll find joy. When I get to this part of my life, then I'll be able to worship God and things will be easier, right? It's when your kids are little and you're just, I can't wait until they can, you know, speak. And once they can talk, then things are gonna be easier. (laughs) You'll see, you'll see. They'll be mouthing off to you and you'll be wishing they can't talk. I can't wait until they start school. Then it'll be easier waiting for the destination before we allow ourselves to find joy in Christ today. I can't wait until they're no longer a teenager, right? Then things will be easier, right? Listen, I get it. We all, we all struggle with that. When I get this job, when I get this promotion, when I get to here. But here's the thing. If you are waiting for those circumstances in order to experience the joy of the Lord in your life, you will always be waiting Mary gives us the example that we have to absorb today. It's a state of mind that we say, yes, maybe what I'm going through is really, really, really hard, but I surrender to you, God. I'm encouraged by your word and your people. And God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna with all of my heart, believe that I am blessed, believe that you are working in me, and I'm gonna sing my praise to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna experience the joy of God today. I'm not going to let the things that are happening to me steal and rob me of that joy. So listen, we can celebrate Christmas without all the presents and the traditions, but you can't celebrate Christmas without worship. So let's get to the worship song. Let's read what she is saying and what she experiences in verses 46 to 55. She says this, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. This, this song is called the Magnificant right? Because uh, it starts with this word magnify. I magnify the Lord and my spirit rejoices in the God of my Savior. So immediately now she is setting her heart and mind and focus on glorifying God. I'm going to focus on his greatness and his goodness. I, I, I'm rejoicing in him because he saved me. For he, God, has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. When she says humble, She means humble. She's the poorest of the poor in the first century. She's so poor. (laughs) Sounds like a joke. I'm so poor. No, she was so poor that when they went to the temple in Luke chapter two to offer a sacrifice, they gave two turtle doves or two two doves as the sacrifice because that's all they could afford. That was the bare minimum, the smallest, like the only thing poor people could afford were the two birds. And, and, and that's her lowly estate, which means that no matter who you are or where you come from, like you're not popular or famous or wealthy or whatever, 
It's like, well, here's the good news. God uses those who are humble. God can use the average person just like he used the average Mary, the humble estate of her servant, his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Think about what she just said there. Think about what she just sung to God there. She's saying that I am blessed. My husband might leave me. I'm an unwed pregnant teenager. I'm seeing angels and I don't know, could be losing it. I might lose everything. People are gonna laugh at me. Might be all by myself, but I'm blessed. I'm blessed. The most powerful words some of you could recognize today is that you're blessed. The enemy wants you to focus on all the things that you're not and all the things that you don't have. But Mary says, I'm not gonna look at that and focus on that because I'm gonna trust God and I'm gonna believe his promises for me and I'm gonna accept that I am blessed because he has called me. He's called you to something. He's called you to a bigger purpose. She recognizes it. Verse 49, for he, God, is mighty and has done great things for me. Here it is again. I'm singing about the great things God has done for me. I'm not singing about all the things God hasn't done for me. I'm not singing about all the ways in which, you know, people in my life have really made this year hard. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking and singing in my mind and my focus and my heart. I am creating a song that I'm gonna worship to God because he is strong and mighty and I praise him for his strength and I praise him because he's done great things in me. Holy is his name. I worship him because he is holy and he deserves my worship. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has blessed me with his mercy. His mercies endure for generation to generation. The mercies that you experience today could be the result of the faithfulness of your parents or your, grand, your grandparents. The goodness of God has fallen onto you and God's goodness from your life will overflow into your children and grandchildren as well, those who fear him. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. So again, mighty strength. We worship him because of his power. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Here's the truth she wants us to know. It's like, listen, God is going to raise up those who humble themselves. Humble yourself before the Lord and he can use you. But if you are proud in your heart, right? If you think you're mighty, if you exalt yourself, I don't need God, I'll do it my way. I'll have it my way. No, thank you, God. I'm gonna ignore you, forget you. He's gonna scatter, right? He's gonna scatter the prouds in their thoughts and in their hearts. In other words, you're gonna be confused. You're gonna be confused with life. Verse 53, he's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Again, the idea, those who are wealthy tend to think they don't need God. So they're proud, I don't need God. And he says, I'm gonna, uh, it's not that I'm gonna force them, but they're, they're gonna be sent away because they don't want me. Fine, if you don't want God, he's gonna let you run away. He has helped his servant Israel 
and remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She's saying the promise that God gave to Abraham that he was gonna send a Messiah is fulfilled in the birth of his son. And so she's worshiping a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful. He is faithful to his people. Why do we worship? God is faithful. He is powerful. He is great. He is holy. And so through song, we express our thankfulness to God because of his majesty and his glory. I talked about this at the night of worship, and I thought it'd be helpful to mention it here today that that when we sing to God like this, we're essentially expressing on the outside what God has done on the inside. And so when God saves us and changes us and we recognize his power and holiness, we recognize his blessing, we are thankful. And when we're thankful, we are willing and ready to praise him through worship, through song. This is the response that Mary has. And so it's the response that you and I need to have today that we would, despite our circumstances, say, God, I'm gonna respond to you this Christmas with all of my praise. I'm gonna totally sell out to you. I want to be faithful to you. And so when we come to this room to worship, when we gather on Sundays to worship, our face ought to reflect the gratitude and thanksgiving that we have for the Lord that is within our own spirit, our own heart, our face should be kind of sharing that message, right? So when we worship on Sundays, we look around the room and our folks that are leading, we can see faces. And so it's just like some of you are going after God and you're just like singing and worshiping and hands up and you're just pouring your heart out to God. And then some of you, bless your heart, you just look like you don't wanna be here. You, you look like you're a little angry today. Um, you, you're a little, maybe, I don't know uh, what's going on kind of feel. And so we, we, gotta, we gotta match what's happened on the inside to the face that we have. Everybody smile and turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Just go ahead and tell them. I'm glad you're here. There's something about smiling that just kind of changes our demeanor, Right? When we, when we move our expressions, it changes our, our, our spirit. It changes our, our attitude, right? And so when we come to God and worship, instead of the yawns and the, the evil stares and the, you know, ignoring the singing, we would actually sing. We would actually lift up our voice. The Bible says, sing to the Lord a new song. We're called to sing. The Bible says in Psalm 47, to clap your hands and shout to God with loud songs. So sing loud songs. Clap your hands. When we clap our hands after a song, you know, it's not that you're clapping for the people singing. We're clapping and giving applause to God for the words that we just sang to him. So we're praising him with that. If we give an applause during a sermon, it's not for the speaker. It's for the words that we just heard in agreeance. We applause God and we thank him for the word that we just heard. And so clapping our hands, singing, saying amen in church is all good things. Lifting up our hands is biblical. Psalm chapter 28, verse two says, when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary, 
right? He's talking about when I do this, hear my voice. And so when we sing, you see people raise their hands. This is, doesn't mean that they're weird or Pentecostal. It just means, hey, this is an expression of worship that we give to the Lord. This is the international sign for surrender, isn't it? If you do this, everybody knows what it means. I, I'm, 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 I surrender. So when I sing, I lift up my hands. When I pray, I lift up my hands. First Timothy 2.8 says, Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. So when we pray during the music, when we pray during our services, it is a right and good response to God to lift up our hands to Him in prayer. I want you to re respond physically and, and express on the outside what I hope is happening on the inside. And maybe that's the disconnect. Maybe something hasn't happened on the inside and that's why you look like your dog just died this morning. <laughs> we need to make the connection. We need to respond to God in prayer. Here's, here's one thing that I think can kind of help us. What, what do you think of when you see this picture? Exactly. Aw, it's a puppy, you're a little guy, right? Immediately when you see this, something happens on the inside and immediately on the outside, there's the oohs and the ahs and the smiles, right? When we think about the goodness of who God is, his power, his might, his mercy, his glory, his holiness, it should lead us to want to respond to him in worship, sing, lift our hands and pray and talk to him and serve. And it should move us to action because we've recognized who he is and what he's done in our heart, in our life, despite our circumstances today. And so you can celebrate Christmas without the presents, without the music, but you can't celebrate Christmas without worshiping Jesus. And so I want our attention and our heart to now kind of begin to change on this final question, this final question that what will your song be this season? Not what will your song be in the next season when this problem is fixed? What will your song be this season? Like Mary, will you be willing to submit to God's plan? finding encouragement from your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're connecting here. So you're finding encouragement and you're believing in God's promise. What will your song be this season? I wanna encourage you in this moment, we're gonna close with a song. And I know sometimes people wanna go get their kids or miss traffic, but listen, we wanna stay in this moment. Like this is our response to to God that like we've heard his word preached. Let's respond to him with worship with this song. I know some of you have issues and things going on, maybe some volunteers that have to leave. That's no, no judgment, but we wanna settle in this moment because this is a real thing. And some of you are going through a really difficult time. And so let me ask you to bow your heads here in Maryville and in Knoxville. And would you just pray this prayer to God? Would you just say, God, I submit to your plan. I submit to your plan. Tell him in your own words. You can tell him, I don't like what's going on. I'm angry, I'm, I'm upset, I'm nervous. 
scared, tell him all that. But then tell him, I surrender to your plan. Encourage me and give me faith to believe today. Holy Spirit, fill us. God, we need your strength. God, we need your, your touch this morning. Give us the grace to submit. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. God, help us to find encouragement in your word and through your people. God, I pray that you would give us faith to believe in your promises today, that you are not through with us and that you have in fact blessed us and you in fact are, are gonna use us in incredible ways in our future, Lord. And, and you're working in ways that we can't see, we can't know. So we just submit and we say, it's you. It's all about you. It's all about you. And so I wanna, we wanna give our heart to him today and close in worship. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like this video and leave a comment. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss an upload from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, you can go to our website, foothillschurch.com, or by clicking the link in the description below.